Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With all of the savings I get when I drive, I'm having the time of my life. Driving safe for life, insurance, save me so much in my car. Driving safe for life, insurance, I've dreamed of saving for so long, I'm saving big all right. Safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. And welcome to part two of Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 41, where our ballot still has been printed with Tim Raines already checked off. Uh, you, you really only get one tagline per podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Even if it's a two-parter. Yeah, it's all we got in the budget. So yeah, part two. Um, we are, are going to start with the big suspenseful imaginary ballot, I think, that you and I have made up. And then we are going to move on to uh, Sam Mellinger, the first-time voter. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, Ben or talk with Ben Lindbergh about <laughs> talk about Ben Lindbergh not behind <laughs> his back or nothing. <laughs> we're going to call Sam Ellinger and talk about Ben Lindbergh. <laughs> now that would have been a weird podcast. Um, ben has looked into the Bonds and Clemens bump uh, and we're going to talk to him about uh, Tim Raines as well. OK, but first, the serious business of our ballots, which don't matter at all. <laughs> um, in any part of this process, uh, do you want to go alphabetical, or or do you you do you actually have a ranked feeling about this ballot? No, I just did ten names. Just ten names. All right, uh, I will see if if we tick off the same names as we go here. Okay, fire away. Okay, Jeff Bagwell. Uh, yep. Tim Raines. Uh huh. Barry Bonds. Uh, well, of course. Roger Clemens. Yes, sir. Edgar Martinez. Mm-hmm. Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. No, I did not have Kurt Schilling. Okay. Larry Walker. Yes. Pudge Rodriguez. Uh-huh. Matt Stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Stairs isn't on the ballot, Josh. He actually is, but no, it's not him. <laughs> my, and my other one was Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez. Wow. So we, we did differ a slight amount. I thought uh, we might have a little bit. Yeah. So I had all those guys. Oh, I missed one. And Vlad Guerrero. That was my 10. Oh. It might I, if I could go to eleven, Mike Messina would have made it. Uh, Mike Messina did make it for me, uh, as did Gary Sheffield. So I are... considered Sheffield as well. He was my eleven and twelve. If I could go there, were, were Messina and Sheffield. So, although Schilling, I admit, is the better player, uh, I think because he's like everybody's crazy uncle who you don't want to admit to having to deal with. Um, I think he can wait. I think Messina. I would <laughs> rather him get in first, though. I I would not be shocked if Schilling got in because again I do think he is is probably the better player 
Sheffield was number 10 for me. I looked at Hoffman. Uh, who else did I look at? I looked at somebody else. And I came up. Sheffield is actually just below that Jaws standard in a lot of ways, but was also an impact player for a very, very long time. Yeah. And well, I think Vlad actually might be below it as well or right at it. But just it's just hard for me to eliminate a guy who's the only reason he's not there is because his defensive numbers are down and defensive metrics in the 90s and early 2000s were really shaky. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're not dealing with the same uh, same kind of information we had. You're just looking basically at putouts and and chances, right? And assists. Which especially for outfielders are obviously But to me and it sounds like to you there are at least 12 viable Hall of Famers or 11 if you don't count Schilling. Oh, absolutely. And and I think you could easily say that that there should be seven in this year. Like we we overlapped on eight guys. Yeah. Like I have a tough time actually arguing against. Now, again, obviously you and I don't have a problem with the steroid question. No. I, yeah, it it really doesn't matter to me in any which way. N- not and and my reasons for that I will try and keep brief, but are ultimately if you don't think that greenies um you know the performance enhancer that was in vogue of the 70s are a problem for anybody who's gotten in from that era uh and there was no penalty for it when these guys were taking then why do you have a problem with what was going on in the 90s i haven't the faintest clue um and you can't take people out of the hall of fame ha ha that's another thing i might change about the process <laughs> yeah mine is i just don't care yeah I just don't. I, you know, I find baseball more entertaining when people are better. So you're with the, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying school? Kind of. <laughs> Fair you know, if you're awesome without it, great. <laughs> but I mean, some of my best moments were watching Barry Bonds chase down these records. If yeah. he doesn't get there without steroids, then I'm really glad he did. It's unconventional, but I, I see where you're coming from. But I also completely agree with what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you got it covered from every angle that it's okay for you to vote for Bonds and Clemens in your in your heart and in your mind. Um, yeah. Now, just before we go into this interview, though, the, I, I joked about Matt Stairs. He is on the ballot, for the record. Okay, I must. Who I must is going to be the guy that gets the most stupid vote, votes? You know, the David Eckstein of this year. Have we really seen a lot of those votes? There's always so a couple far? every year. Aaron Seeley gets a vote. I got to look at the whole... Who are all the down-ballot dudes this year? I'll read them off to you. So, Mike Cameron, J.D. Drew, Maglio Ordonez, Derek Lee, Tim Wakefield, Edgar Renteria, Melvin Mora, Carlos Guillen, Casey Blake, Orlando Cabrera, Pat Burrell, Freddie Sanchez, Arthur Rhodes, Matt Stairs, and Jason Veritek. I, I did not include Jorge Posada because I know he's going to get lots of votes. Yeah, uh, I think either, I think one of the Boston guys is going to get those weird votes. So Jason Veritek or Tim Wakefield. Yeah, that's where my, where my mind would be too. I just can't see anybody else. Although Matt Stairs was such a beloved guy that if someone's not filling out their ballot, they could vote for him. No, and this is something I want to talk about. People get really, really upset about these. And I don't understand why. 
I, you know, it's like no one who's voting for Mike Cameron or Casey Blake is doing it instead of <laughs> you know, Mike Mussina. They're just doing it because they have an empty spot to fill and they want to honor somebody. It's not like they've cost anybody a vote. No, there's nobody with a 10-player ballot going, oh, but I got to I gotta give a shout-out to so-and-so. I better drop, you know. Exactly. Uh, better drop Bagwell. No. That, that's the guy <laughs> So I can who's... give a vote to Pat Burrell. Yeah. That's <laughs> the guy who's only going to put four names on, but he remembers something nice that a player did for him one time, and he wants, or he remembers that that player, you know, did something special that, that he just sort of liked to remember him for, I presume. Um, yeah. Or he's related to him by blood. You never know. It could be. Yeah, it's like last year, Mike Sweeney got three votes. David Eckstein got two. Jason Kendall got two. Garrett Anderson got one. You know, it's like, fine. As long as you're not knocking someone off, which, like we said, nobody's doing, go for it. No, exactly. I think it's fun. Yeah, again, if the Hall of Fame didn't want the opportunity for people to vote for these people, they wouldn't be on the ballot. Which apparently, and so yeah, if you get zero votes, just because nobody liked you, yeah, <laughs> sorry, nobody after after ten years in the big leagues, nobody who matters in this particular contest likes you. Eh, take that, Brad Awesomeness. I don't care if you got a manager gig. <laughs> uh, he's okay. His name sounds like awesomeness, so he'll he'll never have to worry about the likes of us. Are okay. we done with our imaginary ballot now? Are we, we just yeah. elected eight people to the Hall of Fame. That was easy. Um, apparently yeah, 100% of the vote. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, and two guys, came, four people came up short with only 50% of the vote. Sorry to hear. So um, they can probably get in next year. <laughs> so we're going to go to someone who actually had a real difficult job. Uh, Sam Mellinger of KC Star. And uh, we'll be right back with him after this. And we are pleased today to be uh, joined by a new guest, uh, Sam Mellinger of the Kansas City Star. Sam, welcome to Artificial Turf Wars. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, we brought you on today because you are uh, you're a veteran baseball writer, but you are a rookie in one aspect, and that is this year you had your first official ballot for the Baseball Hall of Fame, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was one of those things like... I'd been anticipating it and, and I actually like could have voted a year earlier, but the first year I was covering, I didn't get the card. Um, I should have, but anyway, um, I, I've been looking forward to it for a long time. It was one of those, you open the envelope and, and you kind of stare at it and, um, it was cool, man. It's something that, um, is sort of overwhelming in some ways of, you know, sort of those names and, and the hall of fame. And, um, it, it was a really cool thing. It's, it's one of the absolute privileges of, of having this job. So I, I actually, sorry, do want to start just 10 years ago when, when you start writing, I guess, was it for a newspaper specifically? Was it the star that you were writing for 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually. Yep. So how do they, you know, how does the BBWAA come to you and say, all right, do you want to be a member? Like it, I'm just curious about that because you have to be a member for 10 years before you can even vote on the Hall of Fame. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, it might be a little bit different, um, you know, at the star just because, um, 
you know, the, the people that we've had covering the Royals um, have been BBWAA members for, you know, as long as the BBWA existed, it has existed, I assume. So um, for, for me, it was just, <clears throat> excuse me, it was just my sports editor doing it. Um, and, you know, the, the process, I think, is that there's a, a, a um, chapter chairman, I guess. And, uh, and that person, you know, just makes sure that you're legitimately covering baseball, you know, um, and that you do so on a regular basis. And uh, as long as that's the case, you, you send in your money and you get the card. Now, given that you apparently had to wait an extra year, did that sort of build the anticipation of it to a point that, was it a letdown? Was it even better than you thought when it actually finally arrived in the mail? Um, I, I don't think that it was any different for me, honestly. Like, I, I was super excited. I would have been, I was super excited this year, um, a month ago or whatever it was when I got the ballot. I would have been super excited um, if I got the ballot in December of 2015. Um, you know, that part of it didn't change for me as much. But, um, I mean, it was just like, um, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, it, it was just, it was everything that, that I expected it to be, I guess. <laughs> well, we're definitely glad to hear that. Now, before you got it in the last few years, would you have been filling out theoretical ballots online? Like, here's who I would be voting for if I had one? I never put it in online. I never made that step. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely like, uh, you, you know, I am um, definitely a you know, sort of a baseball nerd for sure. And, and in that way, kind of a Hall of Fame nerd too that, that you know, kind of read – what other people think about this guy's case or that guy's case. And in my mind, um, I, I don't know that I ever like actually wrote down 10 names on a piece of paper. Um, I think I did that stuff in my head and, you know, for instance, I've always been, um, on the side and I, and I get both sides. I'm not, you know, whatever. Um, but I've always been on the side of, um, yes, absolutely. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are all famers and, and I would vote for them for sure. And I, you know, like, you, you go through those mental exercises, you, um, you know, to me, Tim Raines is a no brainer. Um, you know, you, you go through that, but I, 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 I do tell you this, like as much time as I've spent reading, uh, um, and, and thinking about this, um, filling out the real ballot is different. Um, it, it just is like, I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, I don't know if responsibility, that, that's the word that's in my head right now. I don't know if that's exactly the right word. Um, but it's heavier than, you know, just in your head when you think, is this guy a hall of famer or not? You know, it, it's hard to get past that point when you don't actually have a vote. And, you know, now when, um, it's it's that piece of paper and you have to put that check mark on there um and that matters it's it it's it's heavier um that's that's the best word it's just you know i think that's i think that guy's a hall of famer but am i sure like let, let me take another day let me you know let me wait another week um and and so that part of it is very different and it, it is uh interestingly a physical ballot that's the only way that the the rather antiquated bb WAA gets its vote. So you're you're holding a did they give you an extra copy or did you make an extra copy in case you were gonna scratch somebody out? No, I took a picture of it. Um I took a picture of it before and I took a picture of it after. Uh but other than that, no. And and I, I like uh, when, when you know 
I took a picture, um, or I sent the picture after I filled it out on Twitter, and that was a thing, you know, that, that a lot of people were talking about, like, uh, either joking about, like, I expected it to be, you know, leafed in gold, or, um, <laughs> you know, why is the DBWA still using Windows 95, or, or whatever, it, it it is different, right, like, you, you expect it to maybe look a little bit different, but... Um, you know, look like it, it could have looked like anything, and I would have thought that it was really cool looking. You know what I mean? Um, but I kind of like the old schoolness of it. Um, but again, I mean, it, it could have been written in Sanskrit, and I probably would have thought it was amazing. <laughs> now, so you'd mentioned, you know, you you've always been in favor of Bonds, Clemens, and I'm guessing that sort of same philosophy applied to Manny Ramirez. And then you've got all the guys like Kurt Schilling who've been in controversy lately, and then candidates who people argue about like walker martinez i mean so when you finally got this ballot for for the record we happen to both of us happen to agree with like we love the ballot we, we think all those guys should be hall of famers but when you finally got it and you had these philosophies about say the steroid guys or Schilling and his crazy lynching of writers and such did you really sit and say okay am i right about this and ponder it or do you like yeah these guys are hall of famers anyway well, um, so what, what I did there, um, is <laughs> I, I guess maybe a little bit of both. I, I had a lot of conversations with people about, um, you know, other voters, um, people in baseball, um, you know, what's important to you? What do you think is a hall of famer? Um, th- those were, the, what do you think is a hall of famer is a question I asked everybody. Um, what is your process of voting? There's a question obviously that I only asked the voters. Um, but I, 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 and I talked to, um, one, you know, current baseball man. I, I don't want to, it was a private conversation. So I feel bad if I give his name, but, um, he was very strong against steroids. He said, you know, if I even wonder if that guy used steroids, I don't think he should be in the hall of fame. I think that we should respect the game and the guys who did that. Um, knew they were cheating, knew they were disrespecting the game. And, um, you know, so he said he wouldn't have voted for Piazza. He wouldn't vote for Bagwell, you know, let alone Bonds and Clemens and Manny Ramirez, who actually, you know, tested positive and was suspended for it twice. Um, and, and I get that. I understand that part of it. Um, and I wanted to hear that from, you know, people in the game just to, you know, kind of challenge your beliefs. If you have a belief and it's not challenged, I don't know, like, how strongly you can believe it, you know. Um, I, I like to hear the other side. So, um, but to me, I, I can't get past the idea that Major League Baseball knew it was happening and, you know, and and condoned it either, you know, implicitly or otherwise. And, um, and I also can't get past the idea that, um, none of us, absolutely none of us know who was using and who wasn't. And, and I understand that, that, you know, Barry Bonds is, is a little different than Jeff Bagwell, who's different than Manny Ramirez, who's different than Pudge Rodriguez, who's different than Sammy. So like, you know, each case can be individualized a little bit. And, and the one thing that I'm uncomfortable with in all this is you're kind of punishing um, by not caring as much about figuring out who used and who didn't. You're you're kind of punishing a borderline guy who didn't use, who may have a stronger case if he did. Um, and I feel bad about that, but I don't know what the solution to that is because I have no idea who used. And and if any of us think that we do, I think we're lying to ourselves. You know, like the the dirtiest sport in the world is cycling. 
and look at those guys, you know, like, so I, I'm, I'm so sick of people like showing two pictures, like one of Jeff Bagwell's a rookie and then one of Jeff Bagwell, um, uh, you know, in an MVP season or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, and saying like, it's obvious that this guy used steroids. I'm like, no, it's not, you know, it, it just isn't. And, um, and in no way am I saying that I know that Jeff Bagwell's clean, but in no way am I saying that I will ever believe anybody who says they're a hundred percent sure that he did. So, um, I, I just don't know how to do that. Um, and, 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 and that's different than Manny Ramirez. Cause I've heard other people say like bonds and Clemens, whatever Manny Ramirez actually tested positive and was suspended for steroids. That is different than those other guys. And that's an argument that that's a separate argument. Um, again, it's one that I don't my reaction to that is, yeah, he was punished. And, uh, and it was at the end of his career after he'd already been the best hitter of his generation um, in a lot of ways. So, I, you know, I just, I can't get into any of that. Like, I just, I don't know who used, I don't know who didn't. And I don't want to start that, that, that discussion. Well, I think that in a lot of ways, the ballot uh, is kind of arbitrary. There are some guys who are borderline who are left off by the people who make up the ballot every year. And they, there's no explanation for that. If they really wanted Bonds and Clemens to not be considered, they could leave them off the ballot, but they keep putting their names on there. So um, that's, for, yeah. you know, it's your right to vote for them because the name is on there to vote for it. It seems pretty simple from, yeah. from that perspective. So that's not yeah. obviously the reaction you got. You When you did post that on Twitter, you, you got a lot of discussion, I think. Um, did it did it pretty much run the game? Yeah, it was. From it this did. is horrible um, to, <laughs> to nice. Yeah, it was... Uh, um, two things were... Um, it, the, the reaction to it was more positive than I expected. Um, you know, like I expected a lot of, um, you know, I think Trevor Hoffman is, is probably the, the most popular guy that I left off of the ballot. And, um, you know, maybe I expected more, um, you know, how can you not have this guy, the first one to 600, like, you know, all those things. Um, I didn't get as much of that as I expected. Um, I also left Vlad Guerrero off the ballot. I got more, like I think Vlad Guerrero, and I guess we're going to get into this, but um, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I wish I could vote for him. I can only vote for ten, um, so you know you have to leave somebody off. Um, but it seems like people think Vlad Guerrero is better than I think he is. Does that make sense? And and I think he's a Hall of Famer, but it it sounds like from the reaction anyway um, on Twitter and Facebook and other places, uh, it seems like people think. Vlad Guerrero is, you know, a top 10 all-time player, uh, you know, just a no doubt about it Hall of Famer. And I, I don't see it that way. Um, again, I do think he's a Hall of Famer and I hope he gets in. If not, I hope I can vote for him next year. But, um, you know, that, those are the two things that surprised me. It was more positive than I expected. And, and there's a lot more Vlad Guerrero support out there than I expected. Okay. I think you probably got a lot of positivity because you filled up the ballot. Um, which is a thing that I know a lot of sort of new school folks like myself and, and Josh are, are very much in favor of. If, if there's a, if there's 10 good guys, put 10 guys on. If you have to leave somebody off, well, we're not going to – that's not your fault. Um, I think maybe Vlad Guerrero uh, has a lot to do with, with how how crazy he was to watch play. Like Yeah, you yeah. Know, he was fun. He, he did more than show up for work, if you know what I mean, and that sticks with people maybe. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. It's about memories, right? And he made a lot of memories. You did put Larry Walker on the ballot. I was reading, uh, it was one of your, your flips at the end. That's an interesting choice. Is that because he's getting near the end of his time? Uh, that was a convenient, uh, 
tiebreaker and maybe tiebreaker is the wrong word because I didn't think there was a tie to break. Um, but it did make me feel a little bit better about um, dropping Vlad and, and going with Walker. Um, like you mentioned, um, you know, in my head, before I checked off any names, before I really started the research, um, I, I did have 10 names and Vlad was one of them and Larry Walker was not. Um, but when I started looking at it, um, their cases are pretty similar, actually. And um, but, you know, th- there's there's a few things that, that flip me. Um, you know, I, look, I think like the first thing that we talk about with Larry Walker is course field. Right. Um, th- that's what anybody looks at his numbers and like, ah, course field, um, screw it. But. He, uh, the, the first number that really like started to open my eyes, okay, I need to look at this more, was I looked at that MVP season that he had uh, in 19, 1997, and that was one of the best seasons that anybody has ever had, uh, course field or otherwise. Um, and I do have this in front of me. These numbers are just freaking ridiculous. 366, uh, 452 on base, 720 slug, 49 homers, 33 steals, 46 doubles, four triples, 130 RBIs, 143 runs, and a gold glove. Um, an absolutely ridiculous season. And in that year, his road OPS was higher than his home OPS. And that's the part that made me Ooh, you know, the, the, maybe there's something more here. Um, fewer than a third of his career plate appearances were in course field. Um, other people hit in course field, and we're not talking about any of them. Um, Larry Walker hit everywhere he went. He was a great hitter his last year in Montreal, um, and he was a great hitter uh, his last year in St. Louis when he was an old man. Um, you know, he, he hit on the road. Um, he did hit at course field, but he hit better at course field than, than anybody else did. Um, he was a terrific all around player, um, a reputation for, um, knowing when to take the extra base. I think he had, uh, 10 or more steals in 11 seasons, something like that. So, you know, a very good athlete, great arm, um, you know, reputation as a good teammate. Like, I mean, there was just a lot to it. Um, I like OPS plus, I, I think it's a good stat to, uh, you know, I, I know it's hard to quantify like ballpark factors and, and all that, but I, I think it's a good stat to look at when you're trying to compare, um, different players in different settings and different eras. And, uh, you know, his career, OP, and I do have this in front of me, his career OPS plus, uh, is 141. Um, and, and that would rank 32nd among the 135 hall of famers that come up on a baseball reference playing index search. So that, that, that takes into account in theory, at least, you know, steroid era, um, course field and all that. And, you know, he, he's ahead of like Reggie Jackson, Ken Griffey, George Brett, uh, you know, Yaz, Clemente banks, you know, a lot of guys that, that people think of as, um, you know, no doubt hall of famers, um, you know, really good, uh, uh, defender, um, the advanced metrics are, are with him. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that put him ahead of Vlad. And, and I, I know that that surprises some people, it surprised me. Um, and, and, you know, for those reasons, uh, and many others, uh, I ended up dropping Vlad and and adding Larry Walker, but you're right. Like it did, if I needed one extra point, um, you know, yeah, it is nice that Larry Walker, the, the vote for Larry Walker, um, is more urgent because I think this is his seventh year. So he's got this year and then I don't, he's not going to get in this year, but this year, and then three more. Um, and I don't, actually don't think he's ever going to get in, but, um, at least on the writer's ballot. Um, but, uh, you know, his, his vote is more urgent than Vlad's. Uh, so that was, like I said, a convenient tiebreaker, but I think if they were both in their first year, I still would have voted for Walker. 
I, I think uh, it's good to be surprised when you're looking into these things at least once. Uh, I think that shows that you you really do care. Yeah. Um, well, I, it shows that that um, I I'm, I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but like I, I'm glad I was surprised too because if if it was just sort of like you're confirming what you already think, then you're not looking at the right numbers. I think in some ways. But anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, no problem. I was actually going to say we're we're, we're going to end on the the Larry Walker note. I think because um, we uh, are almost out of out of time in the this segment. But I would give you an opportunity um, to give the folks your Twitter handle if uh, they are intrigued and would like to follow you on Twitter. They can find you at yeah, just uh, Mellinger. My last name Mellinger. M E L L I N G E R. Awesome. Um, so uh, also you write regularly at the uh, KC Star and online. So uh, we do really appreciate you joining us and giving us some serious insight into the Hall of Fame process. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling. All right. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. that was a good time talking to sam uh glad he could join us for the first time and um now he did in his first attempt vote for bonds and clemens Uh, a lot of people have added bonds and clemens this year it's been a big jump and we were interested in why that might be and the connection uh weird one to bud selick and ben Lindbergh looked into that earlier so we thought we'd bring him on we're going to talk to him right now about that and a couple of other voting factors And we would like to welcome to the program for, I believe, the very first time, Ben Lindbergh uh, of The Ringer. And uh, you can hear Ben on the Effectively Wild podcast, which is in the process of migrating from one website to another. So maybe just looked up Effectively Wild, which has uh, an incredible number of episodes. So congratulations on your thousand episodes, Ben. (laughs) Thank you very much, I guess. Or maybe you should be giving me condolences or something that it's still (laughs) happening. But thank you. Either way. The unstoppable force of the Effectively Wild podcast. Um, So we did want to talk to you, like our other guests this week, about the Hall of Fame. And and specifically, we were looking for some insight into um, Bonds and Clements, who have both experienced uh, a big jump this year. And that was something that you had looked into in an article uh, uh, that I read this week for uh, for The Ringer. Um, It's kind of interesting how how they started out. It it looked like they might never get in, and, and that's really shifted this year. Yeah, if you had asked me even a year ago, I probably would have said that they would not get in via the BBWAA vote. This is their fifth year on the ballot. And so their first year on the ballot, they debuted to 30-something percent. And and they've both been almost identical each year. There's always someone who votes for Bonds, not Clemens, or Clemens, not Bonds for some strange reason. But usually they're they're pretty close. And, and their second year on the ballot, they actually went down. Their support decreased. And so it looked like they might just fall off entirely. Then the next couple of years, they ticked up a little bit, but they were still up only eight percentage points from their debut year after four tries. And it just didn't seem like there was any momentum. 
But now they seem to be in line for one of the biggest single year increases we've seen really in the last 50 years, at least as long as you're not talking about guys like in their second year on the ballot or their final year on the ballot when often there's a big movement and some guys get a big bump. They're just sort of in the middle of their eligibility. But all of a sudden, all of these voters have switched my, switched their, their votes and they're now tracking at about 70 percent in the, the public ballot tracker through almost 40 percent of the ballots. So looking at what that meant last year, I think they'll probably end up in the low 60s somewhere, but that'll still be close to a, a 20 percentage point bump from last year, which is really huge. We don't often see that sort of single year increase anymore. Now, obviously, there are, there's more than one reason that their numbers could be going up to such an insane degree as you just outlined. But in your piece, and we've seen this elsewhere, it seems like the biggest reason is Bud Selig. Could you go into a little more depth about like what exactly happened there and why his name going into the Hall of Fame means these guys are going in? Yeah, I talked to a bunch of voters who've changed their minds, and a lot of them cited Selig as the reason. And it doesn't immediately make sense why there would be a connection there, because Selig was admitted by the Today's Game Committee, which is essentially what the Veterans Committee used to be. So these are not writers. This is an entirely separate process. So the writers have no reason to be bound by what this other committee does. And, you know, I think that a lot of people are kind of drawing that connection because they feel that Selig was presiding over baseball during the PED era. He maybe helped create or or at least didn't do anything to alter initially the conditions that made it possible for players like uh, Bonds and, and Clemens to do things that would now be banned by baseball in fairness largely due to things that Selig did later in his tenure. But, you know, like if he was okay with this early in his tenure, essentially, and we are not going to keep him out of the hall because he was there, all of this PED stuff happened on his watch, then I guess the thinking is, well, how can you have him in and then make a case that you need to keep Bonds and Clemens out? Or, you know, once he's in, maybe the thought is that, the, the Hall of Fame is no longer unsullied by the steroid era. Not that it probably was before, but at least you could kind of pretend it was. And now you can't even pretend anymore. So I think that was the last straw for a lot of voters. And then in addition to that, it's that several players who had some sort of either tenuous PD connection or suspicion or rumor, something attached to their name. Piazza, uh, who got in last year, was a guy who had some pretty unfounded steroid suspicion. And this year, Padre Rodriguez, who seems to be doing well on his first try in the ballot, and Jeff Bagwell looks like he's getting in. These are all guys that just, you know, they had back acne or whatever, or they <laughs> lost a lot of weight or they gained a lot of weight and writers read into that. And, you know, like, not that uh, anyone would be surprised to find out that they or any other player did something during this era, because as far as we know, it was it was fairly widespread. So it just seems that a lot of voters decided there's no way to kind of keep the hall completely clear of these players. And if they're going to start getting in in dribs and drabs, well, what case can we make that we have to selectively prohibit Bonds and Clemens from being in when they were the best players? I mean, they're the best players in living memory, probably, and were clearly on Hall of Fame trajectories or really had already had Hall of Fame careers before whatever it is they did, you know, started. So I think it's kind of a, a, conclu a confluence of factors that for some reason just gelled all in one year. And that's what I was, I was sort of, 
thinking about because it was brought up, um, I believe, by John Heyman in his ballot explanation that the Bud Selig era is also the era of steroid testing and HGH testing and everything else. So it it's do you think that there were a lot of voters who were just like, wow, I'd really like to have an excuse to vote for the two greatest statistical players of an age and I don't have one? Like, is it is is Selig a scapegoat kind of in the opposite way? I think that's possible. I, I did talk to some people who just seemed like they were tired of this whole thing that we do every year where we relitigate this argument with no new evidence and no new performance. And we just go over it again and we try to figure out who did what, when and how much it helped. And there's no way to actually answer these questions. So some of the people I talked to just said, you know, they were tired of trying to be judge and jury or, you know, they they just decided I will just look at the stats and that's all that we can know for sure is the stats and what happened in the games and all the other stuff is kind of beyond the scope of a baseball writer. And so I think there was some degree of fatigue and people just didn't want to have to do this this year and next year and for three more years after that. So I think they just kind of shrugged and said, well, I will, well, I'll go with the, you know, established statistical record and no one has a better case than these guys based on, on that. And so their plaques will read, they finally wore the writers down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is fine. Like if, if their plaques do make some allusion to this, that's fine. You know, I, if I had had a vote and I still don't have a vote, but if I did, I would have voted for these guys immediately. And, I'm kind of in the it's a museum camp and, you know, it's it's a monument to baseball and not all of baseball is squeaky clean and it never has been. And there are all sorts of cheaters and, you know, people you wouldn't want to emulate in the Hall of Fame. But that's okay. It's a museum about baseball history, essentially. And if you are a great baseball player, you should be in the place for great baseball players. And people can come to their own conclusions about whether your greatness was tainted by something you did off the field or, you know, if they want to have a PED era wing or something like that, or if they just (laughs) want to acknowledge on the plaque that, you know, these guys were suspected or in some cases admitted or, you know, there's evidence to suggest that that they did these things, then that's fine. You know, like that's okay. But I I think they deserve to be in there. I just as many other people have said, it, it seems silly to have any kind of museum about baseball history without having players like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in there. And whether it's next year or the year after, you know, a few years down the road, you kind of have to have them in there eventually. I, I thought it might take longer and that the writers would never budge on this, but that some committee would have to put them in, but sooner or later, they would be in one way or another. So I, I think it's it's nice that we are evidently going to get it out of the way a little sooner than I, I think we all thought we would. Well, I think that's something that I'm sure everyone would be happy with. Now, yes. <laughs> just, just on this note of these guys are, like you mentioned, they're the best. And so I'm, a couple, nothing you mentioned in your piece that it seems like part of the reason for their uptake, if not the big one, which we talked talk about earlier, was that the ballot has cleared for some people and that you know bonds and clemens may have been 11 12 or 13 on someone's ballot and now they're moving up does that strike you as strange that if you're going to vote for these guys at all that they're not one and two on your ballot 
Yeah, I mean, there's always some strategic voting that goes on. And yeah, I spoke to someone who I think he was saying, you know, he wanted to vote for Alan Trammell as long as Alan Trammell was on the ballot. And his last year was last year. And there were some other guys like that or or guys who did get in and are now off the ballot. And of course, Ken Griffey Jr. was on almost everyone's ballot last year. So that kind of thing. I mean, it was really crowded largely because of PED issues. There was this backlog and also because it just seems as if Hall of Fame voters have gotten stricter and stingier, particularly with pitchers, maybe because pitchers are not kind of posting the milestones that they used to just because of different workloads and people maybe haven't adjusted their expectations accordingly. So there was this backlog and I guess, you know, that people figured Bonds and Clemens weren't going to fall off the ballot. They were going to get the minimum. And so people voted strategically and maybe that will all work out in the end. So one of the people who maybe suffered from from part of that backlog in the last two or three years is someone who is now finally benefiting from that final year jump, which is Tim Raines, who um, mostly we're still talking about because Ricky Henderson existed, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. if he hadn't. We'd be talking about Tim Raines Hall of Famer um, as a final year boost. Is is Raines all that remarkable? I don't know. I, I think there's some precedent. I mean, he was what at uh, what was he last year? Almost seventy percent, and now he's tracking at about ninety two. So maybe he ends up in the the mid eighties or or something like that. I only looked in my Bonds and Clemens piece at players who were not in their final year because you you do then tend to get bigger final year bumps. So I don't know if he would be historically anomalous in that sense, but I think it's just, you know, count up all the people that Jonah Carey has taken to lunch in the last three years and, <laughs> and persuaded them to vote for Reigns. Like literally he was on my podcast telling me he like, you know, reaches out to people individually and, and makes the case. And I mean, it's not that hard a case to make. I wouldn't think it seems very clear that Tim Raines should be a hall of famer. And, and yeah, you, you do get guys who just happen to come along at a time when someone is at their position who is even better. And so they get overshadowed. And I was talking earlier today about Mike Messina, who seems to be kind of in the same camp. He is clearly a hall of famer, I think by any baseline, but he kind of never was the best pitcher in baseball at any time, which is a a criterion that some people use or or say they use. And he was pitching at a time when Roger Clemens and Pedro Martinez and Randy Johnson and Craig Maddox were pitching. And these are all inner circle hall of famers. So it is no, no shame not to be as good as those guys. And that's kind of the case for Reigns too. I mean, if, if Reigns hadn't gotten in, I think we can say it's almost a certainty that he will get in now. If he had somehow been on the outside looking in, I think he'd probably be the best player not to be in the Hall of Fame. You could make a case for Trammell or Bobby Gritch or maybe a couple other guys, but he is neck and neck with them, certainly. So I think it's it's nice. Like I think I've gotten kind of more tolerant about these voting things you know it it doesn't keep me up at night if someone doesn't win the mvp award or doesn't get into the hall of fame because you know the the career was the career regardless of what the writers think and we have stats that are somewhat objective and can tell us how productive a, a guy was and might not capture his performance perfectly but seem like a pretty good guide and so you know, if, if Reigns hadn't gotten in, 
he would have been just as good a player as he will be in. But still, it's it's nice for the guy that he will get that recognition. And it's always nice when someone who gets in doesn't get in posthumously when they can't enjoy it. And so uh, I'm I'm happy that this is happening. I, I don't really get personally invested in, you know, fighting someone getting in or or even being that big an advocate. But it is nice when I, public opinion kind of tracks with what the stats seem to say. So I think uh, Reigns will get in and we can all be happy about that. So in a more general sense, um, I asked this of uh, Jay Jaffe as well. The Hall of Fame is obviously not uh, perfect uh, in terms of it spent a lot of time seeming to really, really try and keep people out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, And then we hit this big backlog, as as it's been called, of players who obviously deserve uh, some kind of honor. you know, all, all sort of within like a five-year period. For you, what would what's a best-case scenario? Because, I mean, is is there a, would you be happier if the Hall of Fame reformed completely? Or is it just a matter of getting as many people in under the current system as possible would be, would be success? I mean, I think on the whole it works pretty well. You know, like if you look back at the worst Hall of Fame inductees, they tend not to be people that the writers put in, right? They're like, you know, guys that Frankie Frisch or someone on the the Veterans Committee put in because they used to play with them and they were old cronies or something like that. So that tends to be the case. I think having writers vote is not the worst system. I'd, I think I'd be happy to see some people who don't currently have votes have votes, you know, whether it's people like Jay, who's not eligible yet, or people like, I don't know, Brian Kenny or Bill James or just smart, educated people about baseball, John Thorne, you know, historians, sort of subject matter experts. And that would be great, I think. But on the whole, the process works pretty well. I think the the PED challenge has been sort of unique probably it's it's not just a purely performance related issue and so you have people kind of all over the spectrum on on how they think about these things but historically speaking i think for the most part the guys who have gotten in should get in and i think the voter pool is getting more enlightened about stats and evaluating player performance every year. You know, some of the non-inactive writers who haven't covered the game in quite some time and might not be familiar with new ways of evaluating players have been removed from the roles and that sort of happens every year. And so I think there's more open-mindedness certainly within the BBWAA about putting these guys in. And once we get past this PD issue, not that we'll ever be completely past it. And I'm sure that even if Bonds and Clemens get in, you'll have people drawing a line with guys like Manny or A-Rod who were suspended and tested positive or, you know, either one. And and that's fine. I think that's a, a legitimate stance. But I think for the most part, this will work. You know, I think the the guys right now who should get in seem like they're making a lot of progress toward getting in, whether it's Messina or McGriff or Reigns or Rodriguez. And so I think in the long term, this works OK. It's it's probably not quite the system that you would design if you were starting from scratch. But as something we've inherited it is less of a disaster than it used to be. And I, I think it, it it's functioning okay right now or, or from now forward, it will it will work well enough. Well, we'll find out how well it's working for the moment on 
January 18th. And then if it doesn't get through, we get to do it all again next year with Jimper Jones, <laughs> Jim Tomey, Scott Rowland, Andrew Jones. <laughs> yeah, a couple of those guys will, will be probably pretty divisive, right? Rowland and Jones, those are kind of like guys who have the, the wars or almost do and come close, but don't really have the aura of Hall of Famers. So maybe there'll be some fight over some fights over those guys, but, but that's good. I mean, I think that is what the Hall of Fame wants. That is what writers who get to write about this every year want. We want some debate <laughs> and discussion because if it were just sort of sorting a, a wins above replacement leaderboard, I don't know, maybe that would lead to a a better group of players elected every year, but it also wouldn't be a whole lot of fun. So I think the system is to some extent working as designed. And what else are we going to do in the first two weeks of January in the baseball season? Indeed. Exactly. Yes. It does come along at a time when it, it really rescues those of us who have to come up with some sort of content at a time when, you know, Mike Napoli might sign a free agent contract is like the most exciting thing happening in baseball. Hey, we're doing a Blue Jays podcast. Jose Bautista might sign a free agent contract. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for dropping by and uh, and enlightening us on some of the Bonds-Clemens angle and all that other stuff. Um, again, Effectively Wild, you can find it on the internet, I've heard. And, of mm. course, you can uh, find Ben on The Ringer and uh, on Twitter. I'm sorry, is it Twitter at, at Ben Lindbergh? Yeah. Just my name. Straight up. You must be special. You got in that early. I didn't, actually. I had an underscore, and no one cared enough about me to uh, to claim my name. So I was able to get it recently. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for right. stopping by, Ben. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. back to just you and me josh oh. <laughs> we, it's been such a crowd in the studio the <clears throat> imaginary studio um so we, we we got to talk to sam we got to talk to to, to ben uh pretty cool stuff a lot to chew on there yeah it really was you know i i was actually really interested to hear how much harder sam felt it going from contemplating his ballot like we did i mean you and i put those together in what two seconds yeah easy peasy to, yeah and it's, it was like when he actually had the pressure of doing it every pick weighed on him a lot more i thought that was really neat well and it's nice though that uh you know he's respecting the process in terms of um you know you don't just tick off a bunch of familiar names or or go with your gut 100 percent. that that he really he views it as a responsibility that's worth taking some time for. There's no pay for this, right? It's just no. Yeah, it shows he really cared and he's really honored, you know, taking the thing seriously, which is which is pretty cool. Um, I think also interesting to talk about that big bump for for Bonds and and um, Clemens. I I really do think there were a lot of people looking for an excuse um, to put them on the ballot. Yeah, you you mentioned that with Ben and. I thought that was interesting. I'd never actually really heard that because, you know, it's been five years, but I did hear someone who suggested that, that they wanted to punish them for like five years. Just some random. Half the ballot. Half the ballot or one third of the old ballot. Yeah. Um, but then it, it, yeah, who knows? But whatever it is, the numbers are up. If you get a chance to read Buster Olney's article, have you read his yet? 
it's I have yes yeah quite long um but he does go into a bunch of interesting thoughts not that I agree with everything he's thinking uh but some really interesting stuff about um why Bonds and Clemens were why Bonds not Clemens for him but also um why filling out 10 names on the ballot it occurs to him was a, a mistake to not do it in the past because of the underrepresentation of the modern player and i think a lot of people don't realize with so many more players in the league just how underrepresented the modern player is so that's another interesting article if you're into this sort of stuff but most importantly if you're into this sort of stuff ryan thibodeau keeps the bbhof tracker going uh, and where do we get all of our information for pretty much this entire podcast? <laughs> From the Hall of Fame tracker. <laughs> yeah, you might have heard a, a couple of our guests mentioning this a couple times. Uh, it, it is the, I, I suppose it is a bit of a thankless job for him because every time he posts a ballot and he basically posts every ballot that he receives uh, before the actual announcement, um, he gets his Twitter mentions to explode every time it's a horrible ballot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate thankless task patience of a saint uh so as it stands there are 158 public ballots and then six anonymous ballots that were submitted directly to ryan uh without names on them uh which amounts to 37.7 percent of the total uh, which well then the total that he knows i mean there are yeah. some ballots that he doesn't know are coming in there was one uh, there was one writer who was not on a past ballot because he just hadn't chosen to submit before but then he did this year so it's an estimate but it's usually very very close mm -hmm. we're looking at a ballpark 435 but he could be anywhere 420 to 450 ballots um this is gonna be a lot i don't know if he's gonna be out of a job next year when everyone has to publicly reveal um or when that public revelation is going to come is that on on induction day or not induction day on reveal day announcement day this actually came up and he talked about it and he said he doesn't think that because his stuff, all of his work is done ahead of time. Yeah. And right. the reveal won't happen until after the ballot is announced. Right. So things aren't going to trickle in prior to on the official reveal. So his. Yeah. His, and people yeah. still come back to, to this tracker afterwards when, because after the reveal, people put out their ballots. But most of the traffic is beforehand. Yeah. Because it's interesting to sort of see where it goes. And writers who are voting have mentioned that they have looked at it before casting their vote well yeah i mean it, it will tell you if you are literally wasting your vote for lee smith which at this point you like if you voted on december 30th and sent your thing in on the 31st and you were a writer consulting the tracker would tell you that a vote for lee smith was literally a wasted vote that he was mathematically unable to get enough even by that point yeah and and unlike others you know, say if you want to keep Gary Sheffield on the ballot or Larry Walker or Billy Wagner, Lee Smith's off regardless. So why even give it to him? Of course, the outgoing president of the um, Hall of Fame gave Lee Smith a vote this year. But hey, he's outgoing. <laughs> Big well, he might have voted before the 30th. He might not have been eliminated yet. It's true. Um, so who we do have, if, if the votes hold, and votes tend not to hold... Uh, 100%. It, it does vary what the public ballot is versus what the um, unrevealed ballot is. But if the vote were to hold right now, uh, Jeff Bagwell, Vlad Guerrero, Tim Raines, and Ivan Rodriguez would be going into the Hall of Fame. Ivan? Yvonne. Yvonne. 
Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at this these numbers, and again, this is just like he, he Ryan breaks this down by you know, who votes for whom and how they related last year compared to their public and, and private ballots. It looks like Trevor Hoffman's got a shot because his numbers with the private ballots went up last year, which mm-hmm. makes sense. And I think Vlad Guerrero's got a better shot for the same reason. There's a certain, it seems like certain types of voters don't reveal their votes publicly. Bonds, Clemens, way down on the private ballots last year. Yes, 69 and 5.5% actual versus pre. They lost. Um, it's almost as though the, the sabermetric darlings, essentially, are the ones who get hammered the most. Like Bucina got killed in the private ballots last year. Tim Raines, same thing. But I think there's a, a specific reason for that is because most of these ballots are collected via some online kind of means, whether it's an online column that reveals it or in a, in a major paper or whether it's just something sent directly to him via Twitter. Well, the older voter, the guy who has not been covering the game as closely, is less likely to have an online presence and less likely to be influenced by all of those sabermetric folks. That's the yeah, logic. Yeah, I agree mind. completely. Which means that you're right, that Hoffman got a boost of about 4% last year. At this point, uh, a boost of 2.4% would put him over the 75% line. So he has a good shot, and yeah, there's a good chance that uh, one of the other candidates is going to lose some ground. But it doesn't look like anybody's going to lose enough ground to drop off at the moment of those other guys I listed. Vlad's yeah, going to be I a agree. tough one. I think Vlad's going to be super tough to tell this year. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait. I think we're going to have to wait to ballot day for Vlad Hoffman and possibly Rodriguez, depending on if his numbers go down towards the at the end of the tracker. I think he's a lock. I think all the guys who voted for Piazza are going to vote for him, or have Maybe. voted for him. There you go. There's your suspense for the evening. <laughs> uh, if you did want to uh, check out Ryan, um, his Twitter handle is at not Mr. Tibbs, T-I-B-B-S. Um, and then that will, right in his uh, his Twitter bio is the link to the tracker. Uh, we would like to uh, wrap it up now, I believe, unless you had a final thought. Oh, this is just, you know, it's kind of a fun departure for us to, you know, a two-part episode, which if you're just listening to this one, go back and listen to part one. <laughs> It'll clear up all kinds of confusion. Yeah. Uh, and a Hall of Fame one. We didn't talk about the Hall of Fame very much in the past. Just you know, paid a lip service, but not anything in depth like this. So this was a lot of fun for me. All right, and and much fun for me as well. I enjoy this season very much. Um, it's like an election where I don't have to worry about the winner in a in yeah. a geopolitical sense. <laughs> and happy New Year, everybody! And Jay's go sign with somebody. Uh, yeah, Transaction Friday. Woo! All right, so um, you have been. Uh, Josh Housham at Joshua Housham. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. Uh, our guests were Jay Jaffe, uh, Sam uh, of SI.com, Sam Mellinger of the KC Star, and Ben Lindbergh, uh, whom you can listen to at the Effectively Wild podcast. We'd like to thank them all for joining us to talk Hall of Fame. And we will see you in a couple of weeks or when some real Blue Jays news breaks. This has been Artificial Turf Wars, Episode 41, Part 2. Take care. And the ringer. <laughs> 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 <laughs>